Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Hello and welcome to the latest Everything is Black and White podcast. Today I'm your host, Sean McCormick, and I'm stepping in with regular host, Andrew Musgrove, who's on annual leave at the moment. Today we'll be looking back at Newcastle's 0-0 draw for Brighton last night. I wish it was a bit more of an entertaining game for us to review, but here we are. Newcastle's season continues to peter towards mediocrity, and that game pretty much summed that up last night. Today we'll be joined by... Lee Ryder, Chief Newcastle United writer, who was at the Amex Stadium last night and is currently on his way home from the South Coast. He'll be joining us on the train. Um, and then we'll be speaking to Chris Knight, Newcastle United writer for the Chronicle, later on in the show to get his thoughts on the nil-nil draw last night. But first of all, we start with you, Lee. Was that as drab a draw to watch in the stadium as it looked on TV? Well, in answer to your first question, was it as drab as it looked <laughs> from being in the stadium? I mean, we were right at the back of the main stand at Brighton and we got a pretty much a, a tactical view of the game and you know you looked at it and it was basically a case of Newcastle trying to absorb the pressure from Brighton and there was plenty of it and really they didn't threaten until the very end of the half when Gale headed over and then sort of at the end of the game when Newcastle made those couple of substitutions and you know Andy Carroll and Joe Linton come on and to be fair Joe Linton slipped in Shelby and he could have scored and obviously Andy Carroll missed a, a sitter there's no doubt about that uh, no surprise that he wasn't really happy with himself for, for doing that so frustrating um, as I say it didn't get any prettier from where we were, were sitting but uh, you know if that had happened in the middle of the season then you know is that is that a good point <sighs> probably not given Brighton's you know, form. So, yeah, it was it was disappointing. But to be fair, Newcastle have they've been stagnating, if you like, in, to, as the season's gone on, and they've looked disinterested in some parts of some games. And that was a tough one last night. And it feels Lee that the season is sort of petering towards mediocrity now. You know, Newcastle made an initial bright return after lockdown. They changed their formation and looked a lot more attackingly proficient than they had done. Um, you know, when all season prior to that, they'd struggled to score goals, be a lot more of a defensively focused outfit. But it seemed like the change had flipped, I suppose, after lockdown. But the last few weeks, three successive defeats ended in the half breaking game last night, nil nil last night. I mean, I guess Steve Bruce, Steve Bruce's mood reflected that in the aftermath of the game in the press conference. Yeah, it does feel like the season's petering out a little bit. I think once Newcastle got past 40 points, this was always the danger. I don't know if it's a case of how hungry they were to, to, to push on and get that top 10 place. I just think simply they're not good enough. You look at other teams, they, they've pushed on in the, as the season's sort of reached a conclusion, you know, Spurs... Arsenal, Everton have, have kind of dug in and got results. Um, so I think are Newcastle in the same bracket as those three teams for a start? I don't think they are. And, you know, I think there's a lot of players that Newcastle have got on board who are 
for me, you know, they're, they're on big wages. They haven't proved themselves. Um, some of them haven't had a chance. I mean, you, you look at the case of somebody like Muto, who started seven Premier League games in two years, over two years now, and he's on 50 odd grand a week. And Newcastle just aren't getting any value out of that deal. So they need to um, have a thorough review of the, the squad. I mean, uh, you're asking me about Steve Bruce's mood afterwards. I think he was a bit relieved, to be honest, but uh, relieved with the point. But I think he knows, and he said in his press conference, that basically it was always going to be a case of uh, getting to the summer, and he knows they need to make four or five signings. And like all of us, Steve Bruce continues to be frustrated by the takeover limbo. I mean, after the game on Sky Sports, he was asked about the takeover again and, you know, he couldn't hide his his sort of frustration at the fact that, you know, that is clouding over the end of this season. It, f- it felt like last night was a sign of what's to come. The longer the pith bid is delayed in terms of the Premier League made a decision, whether the Newcastle United takeover should go ahead. Would you agree with that in terms of it feels like now the longer this takeover uncertainty goes on off the pitch, it's starting to filter on to the pitch. I mean, the takeover limbo that you're talking of, that can only be really decided by the Premier League. They've got to, you know, process this decision now one way or the other. And, I mean, as depressing as that draw was, and probably is depressing as the thought of a takeover not going through is concerned I, st- I still don't think it would be the end um, for Newcastle United fans I mean for some they were they may not they may decide not to, to go back and support the club um, after this but the reality is some people think the club is, is bigger than one man and you know they want to continue to to, to back the team. It's it's a personal choice, it really is. And I can see why people would walk away. Um, I've seen there was a very strong editorial on one of the the fan sites, um, talking about the sort of depressing sort of vacuum of of, of it, the lack of information uh, coming out of the club. But look. I think once people know one way or the other, then they can decide. And, you know, if, if Steve Bruce is still the manager next season, then he knows that Newcastle have to hit the ground running. Um, he will get his own full, full-ish pre-season under his belt. He will have a bit more of a say on the players he brings in. So he'll be, as he always has, be, been judged on results. And, you know, he's it's been a very average at best season for Newcastle and they're going to get in and around the same points they've got in the last two seasons so he's done no no better or no worse than than Rafa did really but I think Rafa played the political game Um, he said the things that you know supporters wanted to hear and fair play to him because he was a fascinating guy to interview Um, but I think Newcastle now we just need that decision and then we can start talking about where they are going into the next season and of course there's one more game to go now against the champions Liverpool at St James's Park Newcastle can only finish as high as 13 for as low as 14th is it the case now Lee that you know the quicker the season ends the better so Newcastle can sort these issues out off the field and look to push forward with or without a takeover yeah so it's on to on Sunday against Liverpool the champions coming to town 
and I think that's going to be quite a strange game really I think on any given day are Newcastle good enough to beat Liverpool judging on this season you'd probably say no they're not but what Liverpool team are, are going to turn up you know they've won the league they've had the trophy lift now you know it is sort of going through the motions for them now and they're, they're looking at the summer I'm sure they'll want to sign off on a high but mentally mentally and physically how much more have they got to give uh, Newcastle are sort of on the other end of the spectrum on that like they they haven't got a lot to motivate them but then I suppose if you're not motivated to, to try and beat Liverpool in a big game that's a James Park crowd or no crowd then you know you have to question your own desire so Look, it'd be great to see Newcastle end the season on, on what will be a massive high by A, beating Liverpool and B, getting more points than last season. But the way they're playing, they can't put two halves of football together. Uh, one half, they can be good. Um, and then in, after the break or whatever, they can be switch off mentally, make mistakes. They've got problems with injuries. I, I just don't know if they've got enough to to even muster a draw out of this. I mean, that, that would be interesting if they end up on the exactly the same points as last season. I mean, we'll have to see. We'll have to see what, what sort of Liverpool team turn up. But uh, Jurgen Klopp uh, isn't, isn't exactly known for not being able to motivate his teams. So we'll see what happens. On the game then, and we'll try not to dwell on it too long. I don't think anybody needs to kind of go through all of that again. Another ball draw with Brighton. But did anybody in particular stand out for you for Newcastle last night, Lee? I mean, in terms of who stood out for me in the game last night, I mean, the only one winner for the man of the match, which was Dubravka, I thought he was absolutely outstanding. Uh, if it wasn't for him, Newcastle would have been beaten, possibly quite heavily. He made save after save. And that's been the story of his season, really. Uh, I think it's um, 11 clean sheets he's got this season. So... <clears throat> I think it's one of them where that sort of safety guarantee at the back and then it was a case of what can Newcastle do elsewhere on the pitch. I thought Shelby came into the game later, the last sort of 20 minutes, uh, he came into the game and he was uh, he had something to hit in terms of Andy Carroll and Joe Linton coming on. Um, I mean, Shelby could have actually won it when Joe Linton, you know, slipped him through, but got deflected, maybe he should have hit it first time. So many, it's easy from saying it from up in the stands, but, but the Andy Carroll miss was, was um, not one he'll be looking back on with any uh, pride. He'll just be desperate to forget about it. The search for a goal goes on. So, yeah, I mean, there was only one winner in terms of man the match. It was Dubravka and, you know, everyone else. It was just, uh, they were just on the back foot for most of the game. Started threatening. Uh, too late, changed the ploy too late and uh, ultimately end up with a, a nil-nil draw which was perfect for Brighton because it confirmed their place in the in the Premier League. The PA announcer at Brighton that, you know, he, he took delight in announcing that they were safe in the Premier League but obviously there's no crowd there to, to, to give it any kind of reaction and it's that's the way it's been in these games, been very weird. And I guess the big talking point going into the game was the fact that Newcastle only had one fit senior centre-half despite having six off their books. Obviously, it's been a position of strength for Newcastle all season, the, the, the strength and depth they have as centre-half. But such is the injury crisis that Federico Fernandes was the only fit uh, natural senior centre-half who travelled to Brighton. Kel Watts, of course, Newcastle got 
special Premier League dispensation for the youngster who's been on loan twice this season um, to be registered into the squad for yesterday's game. Travelled with the team, but didn't play. And as, there was a lot of disappointment um, among Newcastle fans on social media that they didn't get to see the, the young star uh, play last night for Newcastle. He's, he's highly rated and he's someone that you've seen a lot of in the under-23s, Lee. I mean, did you share that disappointment that he didn't play, given the fact that there was nothing really right on the game and this is probably an ideal situation for a youngster like that to be thrown into the team? And I suppose, from your experience and from what you've watched him, how good is he and can he be for Newcastle United? Yeah, it would have been nice to see Cal Watts get a debut or, or come on at some stage. And I think... If Newcastle winning comfortably, I think that might have been the plan. But the reality is that they know that the highest they can finish in the league, the better because they'll get more money. You're talking a couple of million quid maybe for, for a couple of places. And as we all know, the owner is motivated by making profit. So that's probably why you didn't see um, a younger team put out there. So... Yeah, it was disappointing for him. Went all the way down there and there was a, obviously a lot of build-up for him getting Premier League clearance, but sadly didn't get that chance. Finally from you, Lee, Mighty Longstaff was again left out of the, the starting lineup last night in favour of Loney Nabil Bentaleb. It seems like, you know, he's he's entering the last days of his time at Newcastle United. It was just such a shame, obviously, a local lad who you followed all the way through the youth setups and the under twenty three setups to him scoring that debut goal against Manchester United. He's impressed with the first team this year, but there is that contract dispute. He won't accept what's on the table from Newcastle United and he's got the contract offer from Udinese in Italy. I mean, with the season drawing to a close, I suppose the worry is for Newcastle fans and Matty Longstaff's contract's drawing for a close. What's the current situation from your end on his future? Yeah, on Matty Longstaff's future, you know, unfortunately, it's looking like the end unless something absolutely spectacular happens in the last week of the season. Um, Newcastle don't seem to want to budge on what they've offered him. He doesn't seem to think it's a good deal for him. It certainly doesn't seem to be a plan in place for him to, to play. I think it's been... It's been played out quite shabbily, really, uh, because it's while there's been sort of assurances that the reason he's not playing is because, you know, it's because of the contract. That's what that's what the people are, are, are suggesting. And, you know, Steve Bruce has tried to, to play that down. But at the end of the day, if you can't come on for 20 minutes when you've still got two, two substitute slots you can use, uh, you do fear that it's the end of him. Uh, cracking little player, someone who I think is going to go on and, and do well in his career, but Newcastle don't seem to have bought into the imagination to, you know, to to build on what a great start he had, which was obviously coming coming into that game against Man United and scoring the winner. That's what he can do. He's he's a proper little battler in the middle, and uh, you know he's got a. For me, I think he's got a good attitude um, and he's holding out to try and get the best deal that he can and, and why shouldn't he? It's a short career. Um, Udinese offer still on the table, could go over to Serie A. And then I think we'll all watch his career with interest if that does happen because suddenly he'll be going in huge games against the, the Juventus of the world and AC Milan into Milan going, going to, to places like that. So... 
good luck to him if he goes. But, you know, my personal preference is he stays. But I'd love to see Newcastle work it out, but it doesn't seem like they're going to. Thanks as ever for Lee Ryder for his insight from the game last night. We're now going to chat to Newcastle United writer Chris Knight. How are you doing, Chris? Uh, good, thanks, mate. How are you? I'm, I'm all right. I'm all right. And usually I would say that Lee had the privilege of being at the game last night, being the only representative from the Chronicle alone in the stadiums due to the coronavirus. But I don't necessarily think it was a privilege last night. It wasn't the greatest game in the world, was it, Chris? No, I think I definitely lucked out when it came to staying at home for that one. <laughs> As I said before, I'm just uh, I'm really glad that you brought me on for this podcast debut on that match um, when there's an absolute ton of talking points for us to go through. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it was it just just like obviously try to think back on it now. Really, it was it's obviously we went into it thinking it was a bit of a dead rubber injury crisis, whatnot. A point at Brighton, not a bad result, you'd probably say. Performance-wise, though. Not an, not an awful lot to shout about, obviously a bit more defensively solid. But we're sort of just counting down, ticking boxes until we hopefully get a bit of a resolution of what the hell is going on with the takeover. Cool. So when I was last a guest on the podcast, when Andrew was hosting it, he kind of asked me to come up with my moments of the game, key performers and stuff like that. So I thought that would be an interesting way to ease you into this podcast, Chris. But mm-hmm. I mean... <laughs> Picking a moment from the game last night from a nil-nil draw with Brighton, who I think I made the point until last night, it's consistently probably Newcastle's worst game of the season every single time we play them. Yeah. So from from that nil-nil game then, Chris, <laughs> probably hard to pick a key moment from the game, but is there anything that kind of stood out for you that you want to talk about? Uh, I think it's probably very obvious and maybe a bit of a cop-out, but it's a nil-nil where we didn't have a shot on target until I don't know when, so please forgive me. Um, I'd say probably the Carroll miss later on, to be yeah. honest with you, because that does sort of transform the narrative. Obviously, like I said earlier, nil-nil at Brighton, it's not a disgraceful result. Obviously, out of the circumstances, what we actually saw, you know, not great. <clears throat> but at the same time, you know, going into it, he's thrown on, what was it, about the 75th minute? Comes yeah. on only about five or so minutes to go. Has that chance? I know he had a lot of pressure on him, but it, it, that that was literally it. That was if you if you could script it, that would that would have been it. And you know we're coming on today talking about the one 0 win at Brighton, which you know you, beforehand I, I don't think many fans with the injury crisis would have been quite confident of getting a result there, a victory there. So it's obviously goals do change games and whatnot. But um, yeah, it, it would it would it would it would change it massively because I mean. And now we're just talking about a draw and we, like I said, we're probably going to be moving on to talking more about the fact that this match is fairly meaningless in the context of what's going on right now. Yeah. But if you go into it and you think, oh, they actually got a win at Brighton, they've stopped the slump. Um, I'm kind of loathe to say it because I know all the pundits and commentators are going to go on about it, but I think that would have taken them past the points total of last year. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. yeah. So it it does sort of yeah, and that was it. I mean, I know I, was, I think there's a Gale had a couple of chances. I'm saying chances, generous half chances in the first half, and there's a couple sort of breakaway moments in the second half. But that that was sort of it. And you think of their score there, Brighton only needed a point. They played like they only needed a point. They, you know, controlled the ball, didn't really ever against a back <laughs> a very makeshift back line. Um, yeah. So yeah, it. Rather than talking, you know, more about, you know, how how bad it was to watch yesterday, we'd probably be talking about going, you know, what wasn't the best 
watch, but that's a good result. Just on Carroll then, obviously you've picked Carroll out there. Yeah. You probably should have scored at the end. Obviously, he's been given a new deal at Newcastle and, in, mm-hmm. in my opinion, is deserved in terms of the impact he's had off the pitch as well as on the pitch. Because when he has been playing, yes, there's been a lot of injuries, which you kind of accept come with the baggage of Andy Carroll. But when he's been on the pitch, he has made a positive impact. Not necessarily in, in goals, though. That would have been his first goal of his second spell at the club. And do you think that's kind of the next barometer for Andy Carroll next season is he, he's had this positive impact, but he needs to justify that new deal by, you know, starting to get on the score sheet a bit more? Yeah, I think so. Because, we, like you said, like when when he came back, I mean, obviously a lot of us just loved it from a nostalgia point of view. He did, I, I believe it's shown that it did make a point that there was merit to it on the pitch as well by what yeah. we've seen this season. But when, you know, there's, you know, when he got the new deal, you'd have seen as well, there's plenty of sort of back and forth online whether he deserved it or not. And when you move away from the injuries argument, which is always going to be there, unfortunately, um, the, the next, the, as you said, the next barometer is goals. He's come on and he has, there's no argument. He has changed games when he's come on. I can't remember who was it against. Was it Southampton when he came on and crossed it with Shelby? Yeah, that was the one, yeah. Yeah, and then uh, yeah, he obviously got. I think it was his first start at Sheffield United, and that was that was a really impressive display. I mean, I don't think any of us were expecting him to start there. It's a big, you know, that was a that was a tough place to go, and he came out and where well, he got the assist for the Shelby there again as well. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, I think when he has played, which is always the big, you know, one of the big questions, he has he has the, you know, he has been a positive impact, but. You know, as a striker, you just look at Joe Linton and Gale as well. You're always going to get stick if you don't score goals. And I think this season was always kind of like he was. It was like on the road back. So he's not played an awful lot for years. Bruce and Carol both have said recently. I think that he's feeling in good shape, better shape than he's been in for a while. Yeah. Obviously, I, I still think he's going to be one of these players that's going to, you know. I don't think you can rely on him as a main striker purely because he's just not going to be available as the main striker the whole time. I think he's, I think like a plan B option when he's fit. Basically, like he was yesterday, close, you know, narrow game, not a lot on it. Throw him on. He got the chance. You know, we, we, you know, we talk. If that went in, we'd be talking about how that's actually a tactical ploy that's worked off perfectly. Yeah. You know? So um, yeah, I, I think going forward with Carroll next season, obviously. We're trying to talk about going forward in Newcastle at the moment. It's a bit tough, but um, going forward next season, I think he's going to be a good, you know, basically a third option. You know, when we have midweek games and whatnot, he's possibly going to be, you know, called upon to start. And I think next season, if you, you can probably, you, you'll have to say he's going to have to start chipping in more of the goals. He has been good on, he has been good when he has come on, but I think, unfortunately, he's a, you know, he's a number nine in all, but yeah. He was a former number nine, so I think that's when he's going to get judged on next season. Definitely. We'll move on now then to Newcastle's best performer on the day. Again, in a nil-nil draw. Probably hard, hard to pick someone out, but I mean, was anyone who, who caught your eye yesterday, Chris? Um, it, it is a tough one because I don't. it's one of these performances where I don't necessarily think there was a standout performer, in, yeah. so to speak. I wouldn't necessarily say anyone really disappointed I think the sort of Sky Sports commentators picked out. I don't think it was necessarily Sat Maximum's best game. Like he, he wasn't bad, so to speak, but it's maybe just in contrast to what we've seen in the last couple of weeks. He was a bit quiet. Probably doesn't help that they didn't have the ball for most of the game. But yeah, I mean, I think if you're going to try and pick out one performer, it probably would be Dubravka, purely because when he was called upon, he did what he had to do. I don't think for all the possession 
Brighton really created an awful lot. You you know, consider if you if you look at the match stats, I think it's especially the first half. You'd, you'd think, wow, Newcastle are really lucky to go in level. But I think aside from you know the, I still don't know what happened with Matt Ritchie when he fell over there. That was that was sort of the best. <laughs> that was sort of like the best chance for Brighton. I think they had like a couple long speculative efforts, and then there was the second half where he tipped something over. I think from Webster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean. Those are good saves. I'd question if he didn't make them, if that makes sense. But um, yeah, I think when he was needed, he, he did well. And yeah, I think, I, I think it was a performance where it wasn't necessarily any standout performance, but he was probably one of the better ones. I actually think, I wouldn't say, you know, man of the match material or whatnot. Considering we went into it, we weren't, we weren't really sure how the defence was going to line up. I think a back three with Kraft, Fernandes and Rose wasn't really what anyone expected. Yeah. I, do I think they were put under the most pressure they're going to be under? No, I think Brighton played in front of them for most of it, but they did what they had to do reasonably well. And considering the last game, we were all sort of pointing the finger at Kraft for, I think it was the second goal. Um, yeah, I mean, I thought it was a very unfamiliar system and they, they did okay. So, yeah, but Dubravka probably for me. Yeah, I'd have to agree with that as well. And the thing you were more disappointed with yesterday? I was most disappointed with. Uh, I kind of mentioned it before game. I think there's a fair few fans talking about it. Like, as I said, as much as we go into every game, we want Newcastle to win. We want them to play on the front foot or what. It's this was a pretty dead rubber game. As I said, Brighton went into it needing a point, played like they wanted a point, and they got the point. So, no fans as well. Injury crisis. I just thought it was a really ideal scenario to give Kel Watts a shot. It's just like it's it's. I know he's. What is it, League Two? He's been playing in recently. Yeah. Like, and I think he's done well there. And I know it's a big step up and it whatnot. But I just I can't imagine any you know scenario in future being better suited for blooding a youngster. And instead, and like I said, you know he's got the clean sheet, so you'd have to say vindicated. He's played a back three with two fullbacks out of position. Right? Okay, I can I can I can see that that's worked out. But it's even later on. There was no, it wasn't like the Alamo at the end or whatnot. There was, there was no sort of push Brighton, as I said, were content with the point. So it just seemed a bit of an unfortunate one not to give Kel Watts a bit of a shot of Premier League football. Because if, you, if you're him going into that game, you're thinking you'd, you'd probably be fairly safe thinking, I'm going to get some minutes here, even if it's not from the start. And then you've got to question it going forward. I know he's, you know, he's still only 20, I think. Got plenty to, a long way to go. He got a three-year deal. But... If you're if you're at the club, two games left, dead rubber, five of the six centre backs are injured, and you're not getting it. There was even talk of Andy Carroll going centre back as yeah. well. It's it's you know it's it's a shame. It'll, it'll obviously still be a great experience for me. I presume he'll be in the same boat on Sunday with Liverpool. But um, it it just felt like to me that that was a really good chance to that, that I can't imagine a more ideal scenario to give a, give a youngster a chance in the Premier League. No, I agree, and I, I think. The, the the example I would I would point to with with in terms of what a situation there is, Sean Longstaff was in a very similar situation last season when the midfield was stacked. Obviously, you had you still have Hayden and Chelsea, but at the time you had Modiame who played quite often. Mm. Key was actually playing well at mm. that time. Obviously, then injuries then forced Rafa Benitez's hand to play Sean Longstaff when really I don't think he necessarily thought Sean Longstaff was ready. But Sean Longstaff grabbed the opportunity and ran with that opportunity and. As you said there, it felt as if that was a time where Kel Watts, who's a centre-half, 
when Newcastle have arguably, arguably got the, the strongest set of six centre-halves they've, they've ever had in the Premier League era. But it was a chance for him, as you said there, to take that chance and run with it and impress. And, you know, there wasn't, I don't think there's ever going to be a more ideal situation for a youngster like that to impress in that situation. And it feels very similar to, I know it's a different situation, but it will lead in with now with Matty Longstaff and mm-hmm. Steve Bruce playing Fabian Scher in centre midfield and Nabil Bentaleb, who hasn't impressed at all since joining on loan from Schalke yet. Longstaff still gets put on the bench and it looks as if he's been forced out of the club. Do you feel like if you're a youngster at the club, and granted Steve Bruce did give Matty Longstaff the chance earlier in the season, but you're seeing the, the situation of Longstaff, you're seeing the situation of Kel Watts under Steve Bruce. And do you feel as if you're a youngster, you, you're not, you feel you're not going to get the fair crack of the whip? It's a weird one, because if you asked that question probably even like a month or two months ago, oh, sorry, I'm saying a month or two months ago, before lockdown, sorry, yeah. um, you, you'd probably say, no, there's, there's there's this pathway that you probably haven't had for a while. I mean, wasn't there like, I know obviously they've all, Carol came and went, left and then came back, but there was one squad when there was about four or five academy yeah. graduates in it. it. So it's, it is a weird one that we're now sort of in this position where we're actually asking that question. You, I, I think on what, with Watts, I mean, I don't think he's going to be, you know, involved in the squad next season. You presume he's, if he's done well at League Two this year, he'd probably be hoping for a loan spell, maybe League One Championship, I don't know for sure. But that it just felt like an ideal time for him to, you know, obviously have not been in a position, but making a debut for your boyhood club, that's going to be a nerve-wracking experience. And that just felt like the least pressurised situation that he's ever going to have. Um, and, with, and, with, and with Matty, it just, that just feels, I mean, I think Bruce has come out and said there is, it's the contract scenario is not having any, you know, bearing on his selection decision, but that, what happened yesterday tells me it, it must do because, Obviously, the injury crisis, we've talked about it at centre-back. You've, you've had the Fabian Scherer experiment. He's now out as well. And as you said, you know, Shelby is your mainstay at the moment. Bentaleb, I can, you know, with experience, I can understand, but he's not really impressed so far. I, I think when he's got the ball, you can tell that, you know, he's, he's got something about him. He knows what he's, you know, he's comfortable in possession. But in a midfield two with Shelby, what's, what is his role? And it's, I, I think we've, you know, obviously it's a season's been a bit elongated, but we're still talking about it with one game after the season. What would, what does Bentaleb bring to the team? And okay, if you want to go for experience, you know, from the start, it was a pretty, pretty warm evening, chasing shadows for a fair part. It would probably just keep in the ball to not change one of your midfield too. Matt, it just doesn't get involved at all. It's, yeah, to me, it's just like, I know what Bruce has said, but it just seems like whatever's happened behind the scenes, yeah, he's not getting minutes. And whether it's hard to tell whether that's because Bruce, you know, what the reasoning behind that is, is whether Bruce isn't doing it because he's not signed the contract or whether it's hard to sort of, we are just speculating here, really, because we don't know exactly what's happened. But you would be a bit concerned as, you know, Matty, because I think I've read... You know, there has been some talk that some of the reasoning behind him not signing the new deal is playing time concerns because he wants to develop. And if he's, you know, we're talking dead rubber games there and he's not getting, he's not even getting a sub appearance. You can understand those concerns there. Definitely. And I guess the, the, the next pressing question 
whether there's a takeover or not is Newcastle have three loanees in the squad and mm-hmm. Ben Deleb's played quite a bit of football. Danny Rose has been fairly regular since since the since the return of lockdown. One man who hasn't been though is the other loanee, Valentino Lazaro. And I, mm-hmm. to me, I felt like a good chance for him yesterday to, to play when he's, he's shown glimpses from the bench. But the fact that he doesn't come on until the last fight, the, the final ten minutes yesterday suggests to me as well. And we've just written the story this afternoon. Lee did the story on. Mm-hmm. He's 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 now a bit uncertain on his future. I mean, it's interesting because he, as we say, he has shown glimpses like he could be of use to Newcastle, but we haven't seen it regularly, and I don't think he's necessarily been given the opportunity to have shown it regularly, whether that's been deserved or not. But it's an interesting one with him. What what do you think will happen with Bizarre? Do you think can you see him returning next season? It, it is a weird one because obviously we're now at the point where we are thinking, you know, next season we've got three loanies. And with the other two, with Rose and Benstab, I think there's been enough game time to, you know, for fans and obviously the club's hierarchy to make a decision. I think with Rose, I think, you know, obviously I think the transfer fees have wildly gone from he could be available on a cheap deal to Tottenham not not letting him go for anything less than, you know, I can't remember the exact fee. But I think with Rose, I think he's been fairly solid and Bruce has, you know, been pretty consistent in saying he wants him to stay. Benteleb, as we've just said, I'm, he's played a fair bit. Bruce seems to sort of like him. I think the jury's still out on what exactly he brings. He's, I think the fee that they were talking about before, was it region of eight? Eight you know, million, yeah. Eight million, yeah. I mean, I don't think necessarily he's still, you know, you still say there's more to come from him. He's got good experience at Tottenham and Schalke, so on the face of it, you'd say that's a good deal. But from what we've seen, Lazaro is the strange one because... When he has played, he started in a wing back row, and I think we all probably agree that that's not that's not where he should be playing. Yeah. And that makes sense in the way that just before lockdown and since you know in a couple of games since they played that four two three one where he seems to really thrive. I think it was a West Brom game away. Okay, it was Championship opposition where it looked like that from four was clicking, and you yeah. thought okay, you could see why he's being brought in. And when he has come on, I mean, obviously he took the goal of Bournemouth brilliantly well. I know it was at that point dead and buried as a contest, but he took that brilliantly well. And it, it, it is a tough one because you'd say, this, this is what sort of frustrates me. Because I've, I know before, I think it was January when we were, you know, everyone was saying we, we need Jaron Bowen. We need, yeah. you know, we need that sort of And the clubs, I think the, you know, the unofficial line was the club decided against it because they didn't think he was better than what they had. But you can't, you can't keep sort of, you know, Obviously, you want to keep pushing and strengthening the first team, but you need a squad as well because the drop-off is massive when, say, Almiron or St. Maximus yeah. is not here. And I think, I, I, I think personally, Lazar has shown that he's got more and there's more to come from him than from what we've seen with Atsu at this level. Who would you? I'm picking him out because that would be the natural next yeah. in line. You think? So on the, yeah, I, I think that I think Lazar could be a good addition, but he's not played a lot, which obviously. I, I, I would hope it would make him a bit unhappy and a bit unsure because if he just came, you know, and was happy with an 85th minute cameo every every time, you'd question his uh, motivation a little bit. But then at the same token, I think it's been back and forth on the release clause, isn't it? When they've said it had, there is one, there isn't one. The fee was around 20 million. I mean, I know in sort of today's terms, locked at pre-lockdown, 20 million is not a lot for a Premier League player. But for Newcastle United, that is a lot. And unfortunately, that's what we're talking about. I'm not sure where it would be. Would it be, sec- you know, tied second in the club's history? Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it's a tough one. I think there is a future for him here. I think he could do a good job. But 
it's 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 bizarre that he's not been given more of a shot in the last few games to show to prove that i guess definitely and just to wrap it up then chris your final verdict from last night and i suppose kind of looking forward to to sunday's final premier league game as liverpool what was your final verdict from last night well as i said like it's if you're just taking it in isolation performance was not anything to write home about and I'm surprised we've been able to talk this long sort of um, <laughs> uh, sort of like the, the result at brighton you wouldn't you know if you said beforehand you'd get a draw at brighton you'd probably be like you know it's not inspiring but you think yeah it's not a bad result on the face of it but it's it just all feels like i said earlier like a bit of a box ticking exercise now ever since you know the fa cup exit which i'm you know you could go on about that and say you could do more that's that's man city and you've seen what man city do when they blow hot you know they can blow teams away so it's it, it does feel like they've just been sort of you know getting by doing what they need to until the end of the season and it's it, it all just a bit bored of talking about it, it all just come down to this takeover really yeah as you now sort of you, you well the last couple of weeks you've got to say everyone's eyes have got to be on what's happening next season because you knew they were staying up there was talk of a top 10 push but obviously that didn't come about so it's, it has just been sort of meandering to a conclusion and now now you're at the point where you are okay what what, what we're doing next season and that is massively massively impacted by whether there's a takeover or not because there's plenty of players that you know, it's, it's going to be at every level bruce is going to be one of planning you know and we just talked about lazaro all the players are going to be one of planning and that that and that is impacted by whether there is a takeover or not so sunday liverpool you know you're not really sure what sort of liverpool you're going to get because they you know they wrapped up the title a while ago still you imagine it'd be a, a tough test and you'd like to see them perform well try and get a result but at the end of the day it's it is just a box tick season done now i mean i think the, the, the amount of you know you go, you go on social media and there's not been much of a kickback to what was quite a drab performance yesterday that being honest and that's because to you know fans weren't that fussed about that game fans probably won't be that fussed about playing liverpool which sounds a bit odd but it's because it's all on you know what's happening at the club and that's a bit boring saying it because we've been saying it for the last four months at the very least but it, it, it's what it comes down to now more than ever because now the season's going to be done As much as this has been a, a depressing sort of podcast, um, thanks for joining us as always, and thanks for your your thoughts and your your debut performance on the Everything's Black and White podcast, Chris. So we really appreciate it. I hope the next um, time we a goal to talk about. Something. Well, yes, <laughs> and hopefully next time it'll be next season, and you know fans are starting to be loud about in the ground, and could be yeah. a takeover, and it'll be a lot lot a lot happier than a nil nil draw with Brighton with nothing riding on it, <laughs> and takeover stasis paralysing the club. But on that happy note, we'll leave it yeah. there. And thanks yeah. for thanks again for joining us, everybody. We'll be back later in the week, um, potentially previewing that Liverpool game. Um, certainly we'll be back with a review of the Liverpool game after Sunday. So, you know, stay tuned, keep listening to our podcast, keep following the coverage on chronicle.live.co.uk and we'll be back with you soon. Thanks again for joining us. Mm-hmm.